Well, again, it's so good to be with you again today. I'm glad that you came and that you're joining us here at Greenbrier Nazarene. I also want to welcome those who are watching online this morning. Uh, we're thrilled that you chose to worship with us as well today. Um, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And while you're finding that today, I just want to remind you that... Uh, uh, during these times of being careful about germs, we're not passing the offering plate, uh, but they are. there are baskets at the back of the uh, sanctuary available for you to uh, worship with your tithes and your offerings, and uh, we're grateful and thankful for those that have. Well, the holidays are approaching. Uh, we're at tree count what now, Nuke? seven maybe I think we have up at this point but uh, we celebrate big the holidays big at our house and uh, with the holidays coming up we always want to put in front of you uh, opportunities to be a blessing to other people uh, during the holiday season we have all been so blessed and we uh, uh, talk about a lot around here that we've been blessed to be a blessing uh, to others. And so just a reminder, our Operation Christmas Child uh, shoebox drive will continue through November 23rd, and our goal is 425 boxes. So we encourage you to get those boxes, get them filled, and have them back here by the 23rd. We're also a drop-off location for our community, which means everybody in our community that uh, is packing a shoebox has the opportunity they can bring them here instead of having to take them uh, to Conway or somewhere else. And so that will begin a week from tomorrow on November 16th through November 23rd will be a drop-off location. We need volunteers to staff that. There are different hours throughout the day that uh, we've been asked to be open to receive those. And so if you would, if you go to our Connection Center out there to your left, there's a sign-up sheet that shows the available times and hours uh, that you could assist us with doing that, and we appreciate it. And then as Hunter mentioned early, the, earlier, the 50 Thanksgiving food boxes, uh, we appreciate those that have already taken those, uh, but we need those in next Sunday in order to be delivered to the school. Uh, well, this morning I'm excited again to be uh, in this series that uh, we're doing, uh, taken from the Beatitudes. Uh, here at the start of Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes are these opening verses of a very familiar, a very famous sermon uh, by Jesus that's called the Sermon on the Mount. And basically these Beatitudes that were given, that Jesus uses as basically an introduction to his sermon, uh, is basically what it looks like to live our lives being like Jesus. Uh, these are, we've been talking about the building blocks as, as we've gone through them. Uh, the attitudes, if you will, the characteristics uh, and the qualities of someone who's a follower of Christ. Jesus says, you know, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. This is being like uh, Jesus. And nine times here uh, in these Beatitudes, in this introduction to this sermon, 
Jesus repeats the statement nine different times, blessed. He speaks to this blessing. You are blessed when you live your life according to these principles. You are, you are blessed when uh, you are being like Jesus. And, and this blessing that we've seen, what He speaks to uh, in this blessing, it's this blessing of having uh, this, this true joy in our life. Uh, this, this peace that Scripture talks about that passes all understanding. This blessing of, uh, of real happiness that comes from uh, living your life according to the way that Jesus lays it out here for us. And it's a joy and a happiness that will not be dependent upon your circumstances. It's this joy and this happiness that will not be dependent upon how much money you have in your bank account this week. It's this peace and this joy and this blessing and this happiness that is not dependent upon your living conditions. It's, it's, it's this joy and, and happiness and peace in your life that is, is not dependent upon who our president is. All right, this is, this is something that can only come through a relationship with God that can't be taken away from us, and it's not dependent upon what's going on around us in our lives. And, and before we get to this fifth beatitude this morning, I know we've been in it uh, for se- this series for several weeks, so I just want to quickly uh, look back over what we've seen so far. Uh, So today, for the sake of review, I want to start back this morning at the beginning of the chapter in in verse 1 and pick it up there. Matthew 5, starting at verse 1, says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, He went up on a mountainside and sat down. And uh, last week, uh, David Simmons uh, shared with me that they had been to uh, the Holy Land and they had an opportunity to visit uh, this place where it's believed where Jesus uh, preached this Sermon on the Mount. And he showed me a picture of it. And it was exactly what you would expect it to look like. It was this beautiful green uh, hillside that you can just picture Jesus there and uh, the followers there with him. And uh, you can picture that in your mind. But he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we learned that the poor in spirit is not referring to people who are broke, right? It's not referring to people who who don't have any money. The poor in spirit are the people who basically die to self. They they come broken and they come humble uh, before God, understanding their their great need and their great desire for God. Because often we don't get to that place of brokenness until we've tried to fix everything on our own. Right? We, we don't usually get to that place of brokenness until we have exhausted all of our ideas, all of our plans, and, and, and everything else. And we come to this understanding that, you know what, we, we can't depend on ourselves. We can't depend on those around us. We can only depend on God. And so we come before Him uh, poor in spirit, broken and humble, understanding our great need for God. And that's the first building block 
uh, in the foundation of faith uh, in Jesus. And he says, and they, they will receive the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This, this is not a blessing for people who cry, all right? Uh, this isn't a, about that. Those who mourn, we learn, are those whose hearts break for the things that breaks the heart of God. Well, what breaks the heart of God? Well, it's sin. And, and so we will come before Him broken and humble, understanding our need for Him, also mourning our sin, knowing there is nothing we can do about our own sin. We can't cleanse ourselves. We can't forgive Ourself that only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so our hearts are broken at the sin in our lives. And so we mourn that. Not only our own personal sin, but after our sin has been forgiven, we mourn the sin uh, in the world as well because that breaks the heart of God. And Jesus promises those who come before Him mourning will be comforted. That's the promise. Verse 5, blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. And being meek, we learned, is not being weak. It's simply submitting our will to the will of God. To the will of the Father. It's, uh, and we talked about it, it's like a wild horse that's been broken uh, by a trainer. It's our strength, our will, under control and direction of our trainer, if you will. Our Heavenly Father. It's being under, it's giving him the reins, allowing him to reign, allowing him to guide, him to direct. It's saying, not my will be done, but your will be done. And the promise of that is this inheritance that cannot be taken away. You will have everything. The promise is that you will have everything that can't be bought in this world. And then last week, in verse 6, we saw... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness doesn't mean that we live by this specific set of rules, right? And we've got this checklist that we're somehow checking off because we're good enough to be able to do that. Righteousness is not about having the right conduct or the right behavior. Righteousness only comes to those who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and are living a life that is powered by the Holy Spirit. That's what righteousness in. And we talked about this fact that it's this once you've tasted, once you've got a taste of Jesus and you've seen that He is good, then you will have this daily craving and this hunger for more of Him, for more of His presence, for more of His peace, for more of His happiness. Because once you've got a taste of this righteousness that it talks about here, you want more of that. And you want to experience more of that. And it's only when we hunger and we thirst for Him that we will truly be satisfied. And we will be filled and have a life that is fulfilled. Friends, He is all that we need. He is what we need. And with these first four building blocks in place now. We've talked about how each one builds off of the other one. You've laid a great foundation 
to now uh, become what Jesus uh, wants us to be as we step into the world, to be the light uh, in the darkness. And, and so we're not finished yet. We've got the first four blocks laid. We're not finished yet because He's not uh, finished yet. So let's continue to build on it this morning as we get to Beatitude uh, number 5. Uh, we find it here in verse 7. And this is what Jesus uh, has to say to us today. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, so for they will be shown mercy. Now, in, under, in order to understand who the merciful are, I guess we need to understand what mercy is this morning. So I went to a dictionary to find out how the dictionary defined mercy. And it defined it like this. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. And when I read that description, when I read that definition out of the dictionary for the word mercy, I thought, what an awesome definition for Jesus, right? What a great description of who Jesus is uh, to those of us who have accepted Him and He's forgiven our sins. And think about it, Jesus was known for His compassion, he was known for compassion over and over again. As you read through the Scripture, people would cry out to Him, Jesus, have mercy on us. Look over in chapter 9 of Matthew. Uh, Matthew 9, starting at verse 35. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion is an act of mercy. But, but don't miss the definition here because mercy is compassion or forgiveness, the dictionary says, shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mercy is having compassion, but it's more than just compassion. It's not, as the dictionary says, compassion or forgiveness. It's also forgiveness. It's compassion and forgiveness. And when we ask God to forgive us of our sins, we are asking Him to what? Be merciful to us. When we come before Him, like we've talked about, humble, broken, broken over our sin, mourning our sin, and we come before Him, we come before Him asking Him to be merciful to us because He is the only one who can do anything about our sin and our past. In Luke 18, Jesus tells this story about two different men who prayed. And he talks about their prayers, and, and he talks about the first one was this religious man who prayed to God, and he was thankful that he was not like those people, right? He was thankful that he wasn't like sinners. He was thankful like he wasn't those people who voted for that guy, 
right? He, he was thankful that he wasn't uh, like those people. And then Jesus talked about this other man who prayed, uh, and he was a, a tax collector. And we learned a while back that tax collectors, boy, they're the worst of the worst back in this time. They would have been the vilest of sinners. They would have been the worst, uh, if you will. And Jesus shared the prayer that the tax collector prayed. He says he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, this is the prayer. This is the one. You think about the building blocks that we've been uh, talking about as how we come to God, how we approach God as our Savior. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Throughout the Psalms, I don't know how many of you like to read the Psalms. I enjoy uh, reading through the Psalms and all throughout the Psalms. We see this cry for mercy. In Psalm 51, 1, uh, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Blot out my sin. Uh, do with my sin what only you can do. Psalm 116, verse 1 says, I love the Lord, for He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Friends, compassion is an act of mercy, but it's more than just compassion. But because think about it, if it's only compassion, then it could become some sort of, uh, of you know, checklist that we use feeling obligated to help. You know, let, let me explain myself. Uh, you know, we, so we've got the Thanksgiving food boxes out there, and, and you know, you, you're, you're not really that fired up about doing a food box, but man, you don't want to be the only one walking out of church today not carrying one, right? I, I mean, this is the Nazarene church. We do this every year, so, you know, well, I better, I better get a food box, or I, I better grab a shoe box on, on my way out, you know? Now, that would, be, that, that would be, we might say, an act of compassion, but in all reality, were we really compassionate? No, we were just doing it out of obligation. We were just doing it because, you know, we, we don't want people to think bad of us. Alright? And so compassion could be like, you know, some government agency uh, or, or social service agency. And I'm not saying those things are bad. Those things are important uh, to a lot of people and help the needy. But, but think about it. Those, those things are sometimes dictated by law. Sometimes they're regulated, you know, by, by rules and regulations. So, so mercy is not just, you know, the act of compassion. Mercy isn't just compassion and mercy is also forgiveness it, 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 and but it's also more than forgiveness if you think about it because sometimes uh, you know we might extend forgiveness just so that we can say we did right 
We can say that we forgive somebody just so that we can, you know, say that we did it or that we tried to do it. But in all reality, we really didn't forgive. We really didn't forget. We, you know, we, we, we really didn't. We, we extended forgiveness, but there was no real reconciliation that took place there. There was no, you know, healing that takes place. So was it really forgiveness or was it just something that we said we were going to do for the sake of doing it. So mercy is what? Yes, it's compassion. And yes, it's forgiveness. But what else is, is mercy? Oh, well, think about it this morning. The, the purpose of mercy, what Jesus said is the, what the merciful would receive as their blessing. Look at it again. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So what's the promise to the merciful? Mercy. <laughs> it's right there. The answer's on the screen. <laughs> it's not a trick question. You know, the promise for the merciful from Jesus is mercy. So don't miss this. Being compassionate, being forgiving... It's what guarantees that you will be treated with compassion and forgiveness from God. That's important for us to understand. The promise is something that can only truly come from the mercy seat of heaven. The, the promise is something that can only come from a merciful God. God promises us and gives us something greater than any man or any woman could ever give us or promise us. So mercy, all right, think about it now, is something that is expressed through our lives. It's a way that we live our lives when we understand how great our need is for mercy. Right? When we understand how much we need mercy in our lives, how important mercy is to us, how lost we are without mercy, where our eternity will be without mercy, when we understand the great need that we have for mercy, friends, that will affect and change the way that we live our lives and the way we treat other people. Because just as bad as I need mercy in my life, they need mercy in their lives. Just as desperately as I need mercy in my life, you need mercy in your life. And, and when I begin to understand my need for mercy, then I would begin to live my life differently because I understand what great need I have for mercy. And oh, by the way, these people around me have a great need for mercy in, in their lives as well. And again, these beatitudes are these building blocks of being like Jesus. And, and I don't know if you've noticed or not, but each one of these, as we've built and we've laid one on top of the other, on top of the other, is the process of going from being self-centered to God-centered. It's this process that takes us from it all being about me and it all being about us to being about Him and to being about others. And friends, I've said it each week, we can't pick and choose which of these we want. It's not a buffet. It's a foundation. 
that must be built. And so we can't pick and choose the ones that we like and that we don't like. All of these are essential in the process of being a follower of Jesus Christ. We die to self. We come to Him broken, understanding our need for mercy, mourning over our sin that we can't fix, that we can't do anything about. And we come to Him and we submit our will to Him because of our great need for mercy. We submit our will to Him. We submit our lives to Him in the early service this morning. And for those of you that that don't really care for the music in the band, come to the early service. We just sing old-timey hymns in the early service. And this morning we sang, I Surrender All. That's exactly part of this process. We come to Him surrendering it all. All to Him I freely give. We submit our will. We submit our plans. We submit our families. We submit our children. We submit it all to Him. And when we do, and we begin to see Him work, and we begin to feel His presence in our lives, and we begin to understand the work that He's doing in our lives, what does that do? That works up an appetite in us for more of Him, and more of His presence, and more of His power. And more of that peace and happiness and joy that can only come from Him. And through this process, what's happening? We're beginning to change. We're beginning to change and we're starting to look like Jesus. We're starting to look like our Father. We begin to change. We begin to fully understand mercy And our need for mercy. Friends, we must understand our need for mercy so that we can be merciful. So I want to look at another example where the Bible talks about mercy as well. And I think it might help us understand that the dictionary definition of mercy is not quite all there is to mercy. And it's a story again back over in Matthew chapter 9. We looked at it a a few weeks ago, but I believe it's so applicable today as well. But here in chapter 9, we see that Jesus has been hanging out with um, the wrong crowd. (laughs) Uh, uh, He's eating with sinners and tax collectors. Who, again, are the worst of sinners. I mean, absolutely the worst of the worst. And, and Jesus is eating with them. He's having dinner with them. And the religious people, the Pharisees, the people that we talked about last week, these people that are holier than thou, these people that took great pride in how religious they were and how much Old Testament Scripture they could quote from memory and they've got this big long list of rules and regulations that uh, you know they built off of the original Ten Commandments and they take great pride in the fact that they enforce those rules and they live by those rules and they are the ones that God put here on this earth to make sure everybody does right and lives right right so they they were proud very proud religious people who obviously did not understand mercy at all and 
They weren't pleased with Jesus associating with these bad sinners. And because they're the rule makers and the rule keepers and the rule enforcers. They go to the disciples and they ask there in verse 11. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is against the rules. I doesn't say that. That's kind of my added translation. Jesus overheard them. They meant for him to overhear them, by the way. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And then he says this, But go and learn. Y'all, this would have been a slap in the face to who he was talking to. Because they knew it all. They had the manual memorized. Jesus looks at them and he says, go and learn what this means. And then he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So what did Jesus want the Pharisees to learn? Go and learn. But what does he want us to learn here today? Well, he wants us to truly understand mercy. He wants us to understand what mercy really is. And this would have been a quote that the Pharisees would have recognized because it was a quote that came from the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament. And they would have known exactly where Jesus was sending them. And the story that was told where this statement came from. And Jesus says, you go back. You read that again and you find out for yourselves what this means. I'm looking for mercy, not sacrifice. I'm looking for mercy, not religion. Jesus says, this is what I'm looking for and here's where you can go find out what it is. So let's go there. I mean, doesn't it naturally make you just want to go there and see what it was talking about? So let's go to let's go to Old Testament. Hosea. Jesus' quote here comes from Hosea chapter 6, starting in verse 4 is where I want to pick it up uh, this morning. God says, What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my uh, mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire, here comes the quote, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Now, I've underlined the word love here on the screen for you in verse 4, and underlined the word mercy there in verse 6, because scholars tell us that these two words come from the same Hebrew root word. Okay, so they're tied together. They're, they're linked together in, in the language. And this connection uh, gives us even better insight to, to what mercy is. And this is, something, this is something new that I haven't ever really picked up on before and understood 
uh, but I think, I think we'll understand it better here in just a second. I've been referring some in this series to the paraphrase version of the message. I know some people don't like it uh, and are against it, but I just like to read it to get a different perspective sometime uh, and, and to kind of have it in more common language. Uh, so I, I want to share it with you this morning. Uh, the paraphrased version from the message, this same passage. What am I to do with you, Ephraim? What do I make of you, Judah? Your declarations of love, they don't last any longer than the morning mist and pre-dawn do. That's why I use prophets to shake you to attention. It's why my words cut you to the quick, to wake you up to my judgment, uh, blazing like light. Here it is. I'm after love that lasts not more religion. I want you to know God, not go to prayer meetings, go to more prayer meetings. I love that, that he said that, right? So all that to say this, mercy is compassion. Mercy is forgiveness. And Jesus comes along and says, here's the kind of mercy that I want. And I've never noticed that But you begin to think about it. Jesus is saying, I want mercy. But wait a minute. Jesus is the one who extends us mercy. Jesus is the one who extends us forgiveness. How how can we give Jesus mercy? He he wants mercy. How how can we give mercy? And Jesus comes along here and he says, this is the kind of mercy I want. This is what I'm looking for. This Hebrew connection of love and mercy that's tied together. This speaks to a faithful love. Alright, a faithful love. Jesus is saying here, He's not just looking for mercy through our expressions of compassion. He's not just looking for mercy through our expressions of forgiveness. Although that is a part of it and how we'll live our life. But what he's looking for is faithful love. He's looking for faithful love. One that that doesn't disappear like the dew in the morning. One that doesn't come and go. One that's not hot and cold. He's looking for this faithful love from us. And so mercy can be summed up just like the whole theme of the Bible can be summed up in four simple words. Love God. Love others. Y'all knew I was going to go there today. That's why some folks didn't come. They didn't want to hear it. Love God. Love others with a faithful love. God is looking for faithful love for Him. And He's looking for faithful love to others. And I think Micah, he sums up this whole idea. Matter of fact, I I believe he sums up the whole foundation of everything we've been talking about the last four weeks. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He says, and what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, 
and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Friends, these Beatitudes as building blocks to being like Jesus, what they show us is the transformation that takes place within us when we become His followers. This transformation that takes place and makes us more like Him each and every day. Being merciful, it's not a single act of compassion. Being merciful is not a single act of forgiveness. Mercy, friends, listen, don't, don't miss this. Mercy is what motivates everything we do. Mercy motivates what comes from the heart. And God wants everything that we do to be done with mercy. This faithful love. This faithful love. And this kind of mercy, this faithful love, was the kind of love that Jesus had for us as sinners. He was faithful to you. Faithful love was why he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Faithful love is what compelled him to go to a cross and die for you and for me. And here's the bottom line. Faithful love will affect everything you do. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We don't pick and choose. He doesn't want us to love one person this way and love one person another way and love him on another day. <laughs> it's all faithful love. He doesn't want our love to be fickle. He doesn't want it to be hot and cold, on and off. God desires, God requires mercy. Faithful love, a love that does not fail. And he's looking for faithful love to him. And he's looking for a faithful love from us to one another. 
being like Jesus means that we will be merciful. The motivation for everything that we do should be out of faithful love for Him and faithful love for others. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This morning we want to close with a time of prayer. And I invite you this morning, if you want to come pray, this altar is open to you. I invite you to come. Maybe you'd like to come pray for a situation going on in your life or your family. Maybe you'd like to come pray about the situation in our nation today. Church, it's our time to shine. It's our time to be light in the darkness. It's our time to share hope. It's our time to be faithful and love. And this morning, if you would like to come and pray, I, I invite you to come. But let's all join our hearts together as we gather around the mercy seat of Christ. And let's all pray together. If you want to come, please come. Dear God, this morning we uh, thank you for being merciful to us. God, may this morning uh, we've been reminded of the great need that we have for mercy in our lives. And that really uh, affects how we view you. And it should affect the way we view those around us. And God, this is nothing new. This, this is a, These beatitudes, I'm going to say most people in this room probably could quote them from memory. They're not new. The message isn't new. But God, for whatever reason, you wanted to remind us of it today. God, we need your mercy, we need your grace, and we need your forgiveness in our lives. We need you. We need more of you. God, I need you to work in my life. I need you to totally fill me and transform me into your image where I can live a life that represents you everywhere. Every day, all day. God, I, I need the help of your spirit to do that. I can't do it in my own strength. And no one here can do it in their own strength. God, we desperately need you. And when we understand that, that, that changes how we approach so many things in life. Especially the way that we approach you. Because we have this great need for you in our lives. Not just as individuals, but God, we need you to be at work in our families. We need you to be at work in, in our church. We need you to, to do an amazing and tremendous work in our community. Today, God, we need you uh, to, to bring hope. We need you to uh, bring strength to our nation today. 
so divided. We are so divided. And that's not of God. Creating division is not of you. And it, it, it shouldn't be of us, God. Uh, we're going to get on down uh, here in, in just a few weeks where you say, blessed are the peacemakers. God, help us to be instruments of peace. Help us to be tools uh, of unity uh, in our world today. Help us to proclaim hope uh, that we have in you. It is more evident and more obvious right now in our nation. And I hope people see this and understand this through the lives that we live. That our hope is in you. You are the only hope that we have. And God, then, just to be reminded of how temporary our time here on this earth actually is. That one of these days we're all going to step into eternity. And God, that's, that's convicting. That you've put us here for such a time as this to share that message with those that we go to school with, those that we work with, those in our family that aren't followers. God, you've put us here right now for such a time as this to share your hope, to share the hope that they should have in you, to share love, to share mercy, to share compassion, to share forgiveness. God, I pray that that is what would drive us as we go out from this building and we are literally the church in the community. We're the body of Christ that is going out into the world to be who you called us to be, to do what you've told us to do, to be light in the dark, to bring the good news, good news. It's great news that we have of Jesus. God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be obedient. Help us with the help of your Spirit. You knew we'd need help. Thank you for providing us the help that we need and the power that comes from your presence in our lives each and every day. God, there are so many people that are going through difficult times. People that are sick, people that are battling cancer, people that have lost jobs, people that are struggling. There's so much going on around us, God. Help us, help us to know how to minister to them. Help us to know how to Meet their needs. Help us to be Jesus with skin on in this world today. And we thank you again this morning for loving us. Because we know our past. We know our sin. And to think that you would love us anyway and forgive us anyway and extend mercy to us is really kind of shocking to some of us. But yet you did. Thank you for that love. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and we ask these things. Amen.